Welcome back to the Weekly Struggle Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Caden Henninger, and today I have a very special guest, my good buddy, also Caden. Yeah, um, I'm Caden, um, spelled differently, you know, and uh, I've known good old uh, Henninger over here since kindergarten, you know, from, from the very beginning, from the get. Um, pretty sure if you listen to <clears throat> yesterday's podcast and I was one of the boys that he would be getting in trouble with in kindergarten and class. So, um, known him since kindergarten all the way through high school and, you know, haven't seen him in a while because after high school, went and joined the Navy and been doing that for the past seven years now. So, um, I don't even remember the last time we actually even saw each other hung out. So, I... I don't know how many years, I don't know, when was like the first break you had? Um, the first time I came home was um, December of 16 leading into 17. I came home from uh, my A school, which is where I learned how to do my job and stuff. Came home for, they called it excess leave, came home for Christmas and New Year's and yeah and then after that it wasn't until probably around my birthday uh august of 17 that i came back mm, yeah I, I remember you had a fire at your mom's yeah i did have a fire at my and mom. a bunch of us were there yep that was that was a good time we had uh drinking a lot of beers that night you know yeah i think that was actually the last time that i saw you yeah i think so i don't know i think i had I think we had a kid then. I think I, I think Piper was actually already born though. Yeah, I, I think that time because I was talking to your mom about it. Yeah, I think she was. I think it was like right after Piper was born, maybe. Because um, I know it was just you that came. Um, she was born 29th. Hold on. Yeah, I got it on my arm. 2019. Yeah, so, so it would have been somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, that was when mom still was living in, in that house in Enumclaw, had that big old fucking fire. Yeah, it was definitely around there. Cause yeah, it was just you that showed up. You were, you had your, uh, showed up in your taco, your black taco and taco. Oh, my black. Yeah. Oh no, my forerunner. That was oh, the wrecked one. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, you hung out for a little bit and then you're like, yeah, I gotta, gotta get going. Gotta, you know, I got a kid you gotta take care of now. So could a screaming baby at home shitting all over the place. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Things are definitely a lot different now than they were back in back in the high school days. Oh yeah, hundred percent, man. Didn't really have responsibilities and could screw off every day. Yeah, dude. I mean, shit. From going from you know me and you hanging out at the fucking bus stop and drinking some fucking jet fuel, you know, <laughs> on, we, the uh, bus. on the bus, you know, we we've come a long way, man. Like I was listening to the episode yesterday, like. Just hearing like all the shit, like kind of, I kind of relived through some of that stuff while listening to it too. Cause like, you know, we we're just a fence, a fence jump away, um, living next to each other. So yeah, it was, um, you know, I was there for a lot of stuff, but you know, you hit it very fucking well. Mm. Like I had no idea for a majority of that time, you know, um, which, you know, is what it is at this point now. Um, I've gotten very good at hiding it as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, like, especially, um, I guess I'll go into some more of the more recent stuff for me. Um, so just as a little background, 
that whole Afghanistan, Kabul thing. Um, I was there for the whole duration of August where we went in, actually flew in on my five-year Navy anniversary, um, and then was hanging out there, hanging out at the gates, making sure that you know people were taken care of if they got um, injured outside the gates because... The weirdest part about it was we were working with somebody that we were at war with for 20 years. So the Taliban were outside of the gate and um, they were keeping our crowds at bay, um, pretty much just beating the shit out of people, um, which was a very sad thing to, to see because like, you'd see these kids that just come in and they're beaten fucking black and blue. Um, That's terrible. Yeah, it was it was not a good time. And then... Uh, and then obviously that whole explosion happened. Um, and uh, so one of my one of my Marines died, um, Sergeant G. I was the first enlisted person for my unit that actually found out because um, I was waiting outside with the MO, the medical officer, and uh, we were waiting for the triage officer to come back. And he had the he had the COVID vaccine card for a person. He was like, this person's expectant, which if, if you know, um, if you don't know, expectant means like they're going to die in a mass casualty situation. Like you have to make sure that, you know, you are triaging people to where you get the most severe cases that can be saved to, to the hospital or like a trauma center ish thing. Um, and then you have like the people who can wait and you have like walking wounded and then you have people who are expectant or already dead. Um, the expectant people are people who, you know, have um, like they have uh, a wound to the head and they've got like brain matter coming out or something like that where, you know, it's going to take too many resources and too much time to um, save one person when you could use the same amount of resources and time to save like four or five people. You know what I mean? So he came back. Uh, I saw the COVID, I saw the little COVID vaccine card and he said, this person's expectant. So then um, to me, it was just like, well, okay, cool. Did just, you not uh, know who it was at first? Um, I knew that we had one expectant for our, our unit. And then when he came back and I saw the card, I was like, all right, cool so that's our that's our marine right there um and so then i was like well you don't have time to fucking dwell on it right now man like you have you have a job to do you have people to save you got you know lives to lives to save right now so then we ended up getting like nine walking wounded people um to the little we had a little like aid station in the airport and then uh right down the road from us uh, it was still in the little airport compound. There was, um, they called a roll two facility, which is like a emergency surgery, like damage resuscitation surgeries place. Um, and that's where a lot of patients went. So after I helped with the walking wounded, I was like, Hey, like, can I go help over at the roll two? Cause like, they're going to need more hands and more people to help. So then, um, I went over to the roll two. That's where I saw a lot of, um, a lot of crazy stuff. I saw people with, you know, holes in their face, but they were still breathing, fucking um, helping pack people's wounds, teaching like other people how to do stuff while I'm already treating somebody. Are these like uh, 
uh, Afghan civilians or it's a it was a mix, man. It was a mix of uh, service members and like the civilians trying to trying to evacuate from there because there was, I think, um, the total was um, seventy seven casualties from that explosion somewhere around there and then um we had like nine or ten of them come to the little aid station we had at the airport and then uh a bunch of them went to the roll two center and uh i provided you know some like life-saving things to like 12 people that's what it says i have an i have an award that says it and all that stuff um but to me it was like i wasn't doing it for like an award or something right like i was i was just doing it to uh, because that was my job. Like it was my job to help people and, uh, you know, make sure that if they, if I gave my hardest and my best that they could, you know, they could live this to see another day. Um, and, uh, so, you know, after that, it was kind of, kind of weird. Cause leading up like years before that, like I was, I was numb to emotions. So like my emotions were just gone. I didn't have any cause went through a horrible breakup and then one of my buddies killed himself. And then it was just all a whole bunch of stuff leading up to it for years. So I was just numb to all kind of emotions. Right. Um, I got done. I got back to the airport after treating a bunch of people over at the roll two and like all these emotions just started like flooding in. Like I started feeling all, all the things all at once. Man. Yeah, man. So started feeling all that shit and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't even know how to process this shit. And this was as you were working on people. Uh, it was after. So like I, I had, um, left the role too, because we had pretty much everything, um, settled down at that point. Um, so I was walking back over to the airport and as soon as I got back to like, so we had, um, a section like right in front of the airport where we would wait and like have people come over if they needed aid and stuff. Um, and so like I was just standing there and we halted all operations, right? Obviously. And um so then, you know, I was standing there, all this stuff started like coming at me, man. Like all these emotions, all all of the stuff I hadn't felt in years. And I just started to break down. I took my um took my helmet off and I like I fucking threw it on the ground and I would I was just like thinking in my head, like what the fuck? Like I was just screaming in my head. I don't even think I could have um, produced words at that point uh, just because I was just in the, this massive um, point of like shock that I've never felt before. Um, obviously, you know, it's not a normal thing for somebody to go through that kind of situation where there's a bunch of people who got hurt from an explosion or getting shot at all that stuff. Um, so like that was obviously part of it, but then um, all of those emotions just coming back to me was just crazy, dude. Like I didn't really realize how numb to shit I was until that moment. So like, it was definitely a uh, an eye-opening experience at that point. Yeah, for sure, man. That sounds like it'd be pretty rough and everything just kind of blowing up in your head at once. <laughs> yeah. After yeah. it being stuffed way down deep inside of you for however many years and yeah man it was like hit the breaking point it was like three and a half four years at that point that i was just stuffing shit down and being like well it is what it is man like it's fucking it's life you know what i mean right. um just dealing with the hand i've been dealt or whatever um especially because you know up until maybe two years ago it was 
Like there was still that stigma of mental health and men, right? Right. To where if a man went to go get help for a mental health issue, like he was looked at like a fucking pussy or like people would just judge them like, damn, you're a man, bro. Like, what do you, what do you need help for? Stuff like that. And then, you know, like my whole life, I was kind of like, you don't really need people other than like your family and stuff like that. So then me, after the fact, I came back, I was back in the States um, and I started getting real bad anxiety. It was like out of control. I had anxiety before that I could, you know, I could, I could handle by myself um, just like, you know, doing like breathing exercises and finding five things that are blue or whatever in a room, stuff like that. Like just little exercises you can, you can look up. Right. But there was, came a point to where like my anxiety was just so high that I couldn't do it by myself anymore. So then uh, I ended up going to um, my medical officer is like, I need something for anxiety. And he was like, so anxiety is, uh, it's a difficult thing, right? Because there's so many different factors that can lead into anxiety. And I was like, sir, like not, not to like, you know, um, be rude or anything, but like, I've also been in medical for about six years at this point, And, um, I know the signs and symptoms and stuff. And, you know, I've normally been able to just like keep it under control by myself. But like at this moment in time, like it's too much and I can't, I can't do it by myself. And he was like, okay, so like what's going on? I'm like, well, like my mind is going a million miles an hour, 24 seven. I always feel like something bad is going to happen. My heart's always racing, stuff like that. He was like, okay, yeah. Um, He was like, well, so we can do right. So we can get you on some meds, but I also, I want you to go, so go start seeing a counselor. Um, So that was the first time I'd ever even like had the idea or somebody gave me the idea to go see a counselor. And I was like, okay, sir, like I can do that. So he gave me my first prescription for my meds and he's like, you need to call military one source, whatever, or the uh, MCSA or MCCS, which is like the Marine Corps, um, they take, they have like a whole bunch of different programs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I will good to go, sir. Right. I got my first uh, month of meds and I was like, nah, I'm not gonna go see this counselor. And like he gave me my meds, like I'm, I'm good to go, man. And then, uh, I ran out of my meds and he was like, have you, you know, have you gone to a counselor yet? And I was like, you know, sir, like, no, I haven't. Um, I, uh, I was about to, and then I just, didn't and he was like okay well you know like um i need you to call them today and set up an appointment and uh i was like okay i got you sir like i I actually will this time i'm sorry you know like you told me the stipulations of like what you wanted me to do and like my help my healthcare plan or whatever right and he said yeah um so he was like if you don't go see a counselor um, by the next time, like, you know, we have an appointment or you need meds, like we're going to have a whole different kind of conversation here. And I was like, okay. So then, um, I ended up getting a counselor and she was, um, one of the best things I think that ever happened. Um, because I mean, I didn't think I needed a counselor for like depression or like just to like talk about anxiety to somebody that 
you know, I was, I knew like she was just somebody that I could literally go in there for my hour long appointment and just like talk. It didn't necessarily have to be about like my anxiety stuff. It could have been like, we talked about my life outside of the military, like what I did. Like it was just a, a place where I could just vent and just keep talking if I wanted to. Um, and there was days where I would be like, you know what? Like, I don't really feel like talking much. Um, I will talk a little bit, but I think today is going to be more of like a listening day for me. Um, and I think that's actually a really important thing, um, when dealing with this kind of thing, because a lot of people think that, you know, you have to talk and talk and talk about it. Um, but sometimes it's good to just listen to that person that you're seeking help from. Um, because some days it's like, you don't even really know what to say. Right. Um, you don't really know how to interpret what you're feeling or like why you're feeling it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, I think that was one of the big things that helped me. I'd be like, Hey, like, I just, I don't want to talk very much. Like I'll tell you a couple of things and then like, I just want to listen. Um, and you know we can we can bullshit it from there and that that counselor really helped me a lot um which i never like i said earlier like i've never even thought about getting myself a counselor right like it was just it was a life-changing thing for me i think once i actually started going because then i would i wouldn't see my counselor once a week um and we would just i'd go in there and i'd just start talking um, my very first time I was terrified. <laughs> yeah. I was terrified that first day. Um, because you know, I didn't know who this person was. Um, I knew that they were a licensed clinical specialist, like all this other stuff, but I was just like, I've never talked to anybody about my stuff. Like my yeah. stuff has just been packed away in my brain departments and compartments, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so <clears throat> I was like, I'm terrified. Like I've never, never told anybody about this stuff. Like not even the people I'm closest to. And now I'm about to go talk to a stranger about it. Um, but after my first like two sessions, it just became so natural to just like start word vomiting at this woman. Yeah. Because it was just be like, I don't like, I don't know. It, it was like this, we had this like kind of really good bond or connection between her and I. And, um, I think it's because a little bit because I knew a lot of um, my own stuff and she was not used to having people who could like interpret what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so like we just would have times where we would just be bullshitting and like laughing like for like half of the session, just like <laughs> talking back and forth, you know, and uh, those sessions were actually ones that probably impacted me the most. Um, because I was talking to this person that, you know, was helping me, but also like we could joke. And, um, I know for me, laughter is one of like the biggest <clears throat> and best medicines for me. Cause I, I love, I love laughing, you know, it makes you feel good. You get those times where it's like, you haven't laughed that hard in, oh, yeah. in years. You have those laughing attacks, you know? Yeah. That's always good to have. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty rare that you, I think that you can find a counselor that you can, actually bond with and have that kind of relationship because i remember when i first tried it i don't know how many i tried i think it was like one in maple valley lower maple valley that i think was a guy and it was just kind of weird and then i went to some other lady uh also in maple valley and she was kind of the person that would just sit there and 
look at you and then say, and how does that make you feel? <laughs> it's like, gee, mini Christmas, you're supposed to be like giving me advice. Yeah. Or like trying to figure out, ask me questions or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be the my one. Life and then interpret it and kind of tell me what you think. Not yeah. just ask me like, how are you feeling right now? Because yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, and you're the one that's supposed to be like helping me interpret how I'm feeling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't have that skill to just like figure out like, oh, this is wrong with me. Yeah. Or else I wouldn't really. I wouldn't have been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or else I would know how to fix it. Yeah. But yeah, it's not, I don't know. I've thought about trying to find another one, but I just don't. I don't really know where to go. I'm pretty sure like my insurance at work covers it and stuff. Yeah. So it would be good. It would be a good thing to do. I mean, especially here in your side of the story, how much it helped you. Yeah. I mean, I haven't. I haven't had a counselor since I moved back from North Carolina, um, which my last time I saw my counselor was October of last year. So um, coming up on like a year, but it's nice because like like I was saying, like her and I had like this nice connection and bond. Like we had like I have her phone number and um like, cause like we were talking about how I was going to be driving across the country to come back here. And she's like, that sounds like such like a fun opportunity. Um, she was like, I, I want you to like take a bunch of pictures and like show me or like send them to me. Um, so she, um, I got her, I have her phone number still to this day, like every once in a while, um, I'll, I'll text her cause she was, she was actually trying to help me with, um, getting my ADHD stuff going. Mm-hmm. Um, cause in the military that shit is like, it's one of the hardest things. It can be one of the hardest things and it can be one of the easiest things. It just depends on, um, who the doctor is really. So me and her went through this whole thing for like four months of trying to get me to be able to, um, get, tested and like get prescribed medicine and stuff ended up not even coming close to getting it while I was there because they were like, Oh, well we need to give you a a consult to neuropsychology. And I was like, okay, cool. So then I got the consult and they're like, yeah, we're booked out until February of next year. Oh shit. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be in Washington at that point. So thanks, but no thanks. Right. Yeah. Um, so then, when I got here, I talked to my provider and I was like, Hey man, I'm like, I had this consult when I was in North Carolina, but they were booked out until like a month from now still. And, um, she was like, okay, like, what do you need? I was like, I need a, I need a referral to mental health for like ADHD symptoms. Right. So then I get a call from the mental health at the hospital and they're like, Hey, um, you know, we have certain prereqs for this stuff at the hospital, or we can, you know, send your referral out in town and you can see somebody out in town. I was like, you know what? I, I'd actually prefer to see somebody out in town. So then that way, like there's, there's not employees here that I work with that know my shit. Um, I mean, there's, there's laws and stuff put in place like HIPAA and all that stuff to where if you, see a patient or whatever you're not supposed to say anything right right but you know shit gets out shit people talk um bad gas travels fast in a small town you know so um, for sure it definitely in that kind of setting too um 
I tell, I mean, I tell people a lot of my shit. Um, like I tell people like, Hey, like, um, what do you do? Um, and every time I have a class, I started off by introducing myself, you know, telling them how long I've been in the Navy, where I've been. Um, and then I'll ask them if they have any questions, stuff like that. And, uh, about 80% of the time they ask me, um, about my experience in Afghanistan and all that stuff. And, you know, I always tell them, you know, Hey, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go back, but if the, th- if it happened again, I'd rather it be me than somebody else who's never gone through that before. Um, because it just, it took such a, a big hit on, on me in the first place that, um, it was just, I don't know. I felt like I was pretty mentally strong the first time I went through it. And then now I'm, I'm even like more mentally strong. Like I have the more, I have more mental fortitude now than I did then. And I wouldn't, I would volunteer myself over somebody else who's never gone through that kind of situation now. Right. And then like the second time around you would, you know, you would know what you could do differently Yeah. to kind of avoid the way you, uh, react to things kind of like what i said yesterday um on the other on the other podcast uh let's see if i can find it here um uh when you feel afraid or anxious and feel like you can't control what's happening challenge yourself to control the way you respond to what's happening because that's where all your power is so you kind of stem off of that there and uh you'd be able to more control how you react to things right. that can go around. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. That quote is like right on the money, man. Like you can't control what happens around you. The only thing you can really control is, is your act, your reaction and, and how you handle yourself. Um, it's even like the same thing with everyday life, man. Like you can't control what other people are going to do. You can't control the situations around you. So, you know, just keep in check what you can and just move on with everything else. Don't make such a big deal out of stuff that you can't, you can't control. Um, like with me, I've been working a lot on myself with fucking road rage. Oh yeah, man, man. I tell you, I used to be so bad at it and I'm just like, well, what are you going to do, dude? Like, what's going to happen? And they're not going to, like, you're not going to get out of your truck right now. They're not going to stop even if you stop, right? Like, right. What, what's the point? They're driving like an idiot? Okay, cool. Like, whatever. You just drive around them or something. And um, so my road rage used to be pretty bad. And then now I'm just like, whatever, dude. You want to be you want to be an ass? Then be an ass. But I'm just going to keep doing me. Yeah, I mean, I... I kind of struggle with that too, but I yell and scream or like somebody's in front of me and they're sitting on their phone and the light turns green. Yep. Like fucking go motherfucker. Yep. Or I'll lay on my horn. But if I'm like 10 cars back, the light turns green and they take 45 seconds to start moving. I'm yelling and screaming, especially like with working in Seattle and living in Enumclaw yeah. and working second shift. I'm driving to Seattle at, I leave at like 115 nowadays. So the last couple of days I went to work, I left at one Yeah. because I was late one day because of a stupid drawbridge and, and, and then an accident. And so I was road raging hard those yep. days. But, you know, when I'm driving my Dodge and somebody's being a jackass, like 
I drive in the carpool lane all the time. Yeah. Even when I'm by myself. Yeah, because then we so, can see if yeah. you have somebody else in there. Yeah, I mean, I got 5% tint all the way around yeah. in the Dodge. Yeah, but no, no one can tell if you got a kid in the back or not, exactly. you know? Yeah, my back window is black. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Except the Forerunner. I mean, the Forerunner, it's like a fishbowl. Yeah. So anybody can see into there, but uh, I'm always driving in the carpool lane, and then on my way home at night, it's like I leave work at 11 p.m., and so there's during Monday through like Thursday, there's not many people on I-5. Yeah. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, a lot different. Yeah. But uh, there's still like three lanes off to the right. And then there's the carpool lane on the far left. And I'm just bombing in the carpool lane doing 80 or whatever. Yep. And then there's just this one dude that's just driving along doing like 58 miles an hour. Yep. In the carpool lane. Yep. That irritates the shit out of me. Yeah. And you come flying up on him going 20 some odd miles an hour faster than him. Yep. And you just get on his ass and then they just sit there and they're like throwing their hands up like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, dude. Yeah, what the fuck you, bro? You're going, you're not even going the speed limit. It's like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but don't drive in the carpool lane or the fast lane if you're not going to be doing at least like 10 over. Exactly. If exactly. you're getting passed on the right, you're an idiot. Yeah. Get over. What What makes me angry is when there's semi-trucks Oh. in the fast lane. Because yeah. on, on 16, it's a two-lane highway oh, all, yeah. the way, all the way to Bremerton. Mm. So... If there's a, a semi in the fast lane, and then you got slow people in the right lane, they just camp next to each other oh, the whole time. Dude, you get boxed in right there, and you just you just have to take it. You can't you can't do anything about it. Yeah, and that then, irritates the shit out of me. Or like the the hill up to Purdy. Yep, yep. Then they're like the two these two semis. They're like, oh man, I'm going one mile or half a mile an hour faster than the this guy. Yeah, I'm gonna get over and I'm gonna overtake him. Yeah, my dick's bigger than his yeah. because you know I'm going one mile per hour faster. He's got muffled sixes. I got straight eights. Yeah, dude. Fuck, man, I'm rolling cold doing. Yeah half a mile an hour faster than him and then they sit there and camp next to each other and he's yep. like oh my truck don't have enough balls to to pull past this guy yeah. so then there's a mile long row of cars yeah and you're like what in the fuck man that's when you're yelling and screaming and then what my buddy chad i don't know you probably know chad yeah i remember him yeah so what he taught me was when there's a semi that's doing that you and he finally gets over or whatever you get past him and you're on a hill you cut in front of him you just grenade your brakes and make him slow down to 25 hell and then, yeah and then just drop a gear and take <laughs> off like make him lose yeah, all of his yeah. momentum so yeah. he has to pull the hill at 25 instead of 50 yeah good so, yeah that's I, a good trick i have done that a couple times yeah. on 18 but now 18's just completely fucked yeah yeah i mean and and fucking i5 too yeah yeah coming from getting getting on i5 coming this way from 18 there's that whole section right there in the middle of the road where the, oh it splits off to yeah. the left like the carpool lane goes over here and it's like trucks entering yeah and leaving the highway yeah it's crazy yeah it gets all messed up through there and then randomly like because i go down and get on 599 past uh but i think that's 405 um by tuck willa and then uh shit's all whack down there you'll just be driving along doing 70 and then there's no accident or construction or anything, and you come around this corner, and it's just like 
Yeah. Everybody's at a stop. And then so you stop for a second for like 10 seconds and then it just takes off again. Yeah. 70 and it's fine like the rest of the way to Seattle. Yeah. And then it's like it's like that down in uh, in Gorst. When you take that turn, it's like that. It's a it's a real sharp not really sharp it's just like it comes into it like the peninsula comes to an end and you do like are going around the corner and then there's a highway that merges into it so it goes from a two-lane highway to a one-lane exit and then it merges into highway 16. is that like coming into gorse is that like so you know like when you go past port orchard and all that stuff and you're going down the hill and then it's where highway three comes in yeah right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i know what you're talking about and then like it just especially if you get there five minutes later than you normally do you're stuck in traffic for like 20 minutes because the people in the right lane go slow but then they're assholes and don't let somebody merge right Mm-hmm. Because you know when you're merging, it's supposed to be a one for one zipper. Yeah, it's supposed to be zipper, but you know nobody does that because they're so greedy. Like mm-hmm. I want that one car space. Oh, if you just let somebody in, you won't be sitting there in traffic for forty fucking minutes. Yeah, you cost yourself more time. Yeah. trying to overtake people. Yeah, and then you get you know there's there's times where you know you're merging on from somewhere and there's an opportunity before you get to the end of the merge lane to get over and you don't and then you get to the front and then you're just like you have to slow down Mm -hmm. and then that slows everybody else down um i mean people uh, people who drive and they're just greedy like that make me angry Mm -hmm. because it's just like you're causing more traffic by doing this right it's like a chain reaction you slam on your brakes everybody else behind you has to slam on the brakes and then it goes on for miles miles yeah Yeah, it turns into a slinky man yeah man people i don't know people just people just drive me nuts on the road especially when i was in east and commuting over the pass in the snow oh yeah so many people that don't know how to drive in the snow and it's just yeah oh man people in the ditch everywhere that and you know what gets me though is how people don't know how to drive in the rain here oh yeah that too dude, same it, with california yeah but it's just like dude it rains here like 300 days a year mm-hmm. and you go from two weeks of not having rain to like an inch of rain in 24 hours and you just automatically don't know how to drive yeah doesn't make sense like yeah it's crazy when i was down in california for for training we were coming back or driving back to the airport and it was a rainstorm or like some foggy misty rainstorm and it wasn't even bad and all these people like the highway was backed up doing 25 miles an hour because all these people never see rain and then it's like raining and they're just death gripping the steering yeah. wheel like <laughs> white what the knuckle fuck? That steering white knuckle wheel. yeah and just like scared yeah because it's raining. Yeah. Like, why? I mean... You're not going to get dead. Yeah. Well, unless uh, you're a jackass. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's like... But there's a lot of those. Yeah. I mean, look, right? You could you could die just the same driving when it's 80 degrees and sunny out than you can when it's fucking 60 and drizzling. You know what I mean? Right. Like, anytime you get on the road, you're risking dying, you know? Mm-hmm. But people... Always got to watch out for... For idiots, yeah. It's like like when I would commute over the pass in the snow, right? Be like, oh, drive safe, drive safe. It's like I'm not, it, I yeah, I'm good. It's I have, I'm worried about other people, yeah, crashing into me. Yep. Uh, 
and there was quite a few times that like semis basically ran me off the road and all sorts of other shit. This one dude, I was coming down the pass and it was basically completely clear. I mean, maybe in between the lanes, there was like a line of a little bit of slush and I was in the, the middle lane and there's three lanes going down or four lanes in this area. And this car, I didn't even see. I knew he was kind of coming up on me. And like when he was right next to me on my left, I think he like went onto the shoulder and hit the slush. And like, uh, next thing I know, he's like in front of me coming across my lane sideways and his headlights are pointed at my truck. Oh, yeah. And like it happened so fast. Like by the time he was in the ditch, I had just then like tapped my brakes. Yeah. Like saw him come around spin around and drift sideways yep reverse entry into the ditch yeah and, and it just I... like it's crazy because you're going you're going probably you know 45 50 miles an hour and then that just turns into slow motion when you see well we were like doing that. like since it was pretty clear we we're we we're doing like 60. oh yeah. there was like no restrictions on the pass there was yeah just a little tiny bit of slush on the shoulder maybe a couple spots and be like where the lines are yeah and he was driving like some like a honda or something oh, yep and it just it just turns into slow motion in that second like that split second where yeah that guy's in front of you i already know that that just took it felt probably like an eternity but it was literally just a fraction of a second yeah because you're like fuck what's gonna happen like so they don't get out of my way i'm about to just destroy this guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> big ass truck yeah versus a little honda and there you go totaled car but yeah he went into the ditch and then i just looked in my rear view mirror and i could just see his taillights in the ditch just flashing he had it put it already put his hazards on yeah like <laughs> oh yeah. All right. All right. Well, he's later. alive in there. So, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, why didn't you stop and go back? I'm like, dude, what am I going to do? Yeah. It's like, well, we're doing damn near 70 miles an hour and there's cars behind us. What am I going to do? Grenade my brakes and get rear ended or, or like pull over onto the shoulder yeah. and walk up there and then risk getting creamed? Fuck yeah. that. Absolutely not. No like, way. When I was driving over here, it was dead of winter. And I was driving through that fucking snowstorm that was hitting the Midwest. And, like, you, you know, there would just be these these fucking semi-truck drivers, you know, just driving, like, complete dickheads, just, like, blowing past you. And it's like, bro, like, I understand, like, you think you can drive in this shit. And then they would pass me. And I'm in my truck. You know, I got, I'm in four high because it's dumping snow there's three inches of packed fucking snow slash ice on the ground and i'm just chugging along and five minutes down the road i see that same exact semi off the road in the ditch stuff like like i think i saw the most semis in a ditch in one night was about i think five that was coming from um sturgis to to here Hmm. yeah yeah i would see lots of semis going over the pass (laughs) And I'd always roll down my window. Can't park there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll put like a little collage together and posted it on TikTok. And yeah. Shit. Yeah. That was pretty sick. Yeah. But now my now my TikTok's got like fifty thousand subscribers or followers. Hell yeah. And I just changed the name to the the Weekly Struggle Podcast. There you go. There you and go. I'm gonna start posting podcast stuff on there yeah. since I already have fifty thousand followers. Yeah, dude. Get some of them get some of them over to the pod. Yeah, the uh the smudge pots were what got me all the yeah, followers. Yeah, dude. Those smudge pots were sick. But 
they kept banning my videos, which led to banning my accounts. This is my fourth TikTok account. Damn. Yeah, and my first one that had about the same amount of followers, they have like a creator fund and mm-hmm. you get paid a certain amount per thousand views. And it had like $300 in the account. And before I could take that money out, they banned my account. Damn. Because say you get $300 in 30 days. Yeah. Uh, you have to wait like a month after that to get to oh, withdraw the money. Dude, that sucks. Yeah, so they just banned my account. Like each time I would have funds there, like almost available. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, oh, you thought, you thought, dude. You time gotta, to restart. Gotta be quicker than that. Yeah, yeah, and then this one has like $200 in there. And I tried typing in my information. It's like, this email is blocked. Like, ah, oh, oh, fuck's Awesome. Sake. So I gotta make like a different email and sign it in with my account and then try to take out that money. But it's been sitting there for like five months yeah that's crazy i I wonder what happened to the to banning tiktok they were talking about it yeah i think it just kind of like disappeared it was like all up in the fucking supreme court and then all of a sudden it just kind of maybe it was another distraction probably (laughs) probably there's lots of lots of conspiracy theories I mean, Nowadays. I mean, yeah, dude. Like, especially like with the TikTok thing, I get it, right? Because it's it's um, a, a Chinese ran app or whatever, and they they take your fucking data and all this other bullshit. Cool, man. Like, if if they wanted to get my data, they could get it from anywhere else in the world. Yeah, like, like Facebook, Facebook, Instagram. Like, they could fucking look me up on the internet. You know, like right. they, there's so many places where your information is at. And everybody focused in on this TikTok thing. And I'm like, I get it. But like, also, like all these politicians, all of your shit is public, bro. All Mm -hmm. of your shit. So. Yeah. And then there is actually like the guy that owns TikTok. They were making him sound like some bad dude. Yeah. And then he actually like uh, was on the TikTok's account and making videos like talking about how they wanted to ban it and like what it, the actual goals of it are and stuff like that. And he was saying how many millions of Americans use it for like marketing and business use. Yeah. And it's like, there's a lot of people that are running small businesses off of that app now using yeah. the shop. Yeah, the shit. TikTok shop, man. Like yeah. I for every like 15 videos I've scrolling through, there's probably at least three of them that got TikTok shop. Right. And like 90% of the time, I'm like, damn. Yeah, that's actually pretty sick. <laughs> you know, like that Kraken thing. Yeah, dude. I, I, yeah, I keep getting the Kraken thing. Actually, I have one over there. Oh, you do? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Those things are sweet. But uh, yeah, dude. Like, I just I don't know. With the whole like social media conspiracy, hobaloo, fucking hot wash bullshit. You know. Like, oh, they're gonna get all my information. Everybody's got your information already if they want it. Mm-hmm. Like. And then, like, there's military dudes that are like, oh, Big Brother's watching me. Dude, you work for the government, bro. <laughs> they, they've yeah. been watching you, dude. Like, what do you mean? They watch your every move there, yeah. buddy. Man. Yeah, this world's pretty crazy right now. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of years. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, people, um, there's a lot of people scared of, um, you know, the Ruskies over there. But uh, personally, I don't think it's going to happen for another at least 20 years if we are going to end up in a war with them. 
The Ruskies, Russians? Yeah. Yeah. Only because, you know, China isn't going to do anything. So if China isn't going to join, Russia's not going to do anything. We we owe China too much money for them to, like, pursue any kind of act of war, really. Because we, they're our biggest importer. Mm-hmm. And we're their biggest exporter, or their importer. You know, like, we, we fund each other's country, pretty much. And if they try something... All we got to do is put sanctions on the shipping, on the shipping lanes, and then their food's gone. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, like all this stuff sitting here on the table, these microphones, this recorder, the headphones, I think everything is from China. Yeah. Our phones are probably from China. China. Yeah. China. China. However he says it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I just sit there and think about, like, how much I miss the way he used to say China. Yeah, dude. It was fucking hilarious. Uh, it was the worst trade deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, dude. Oh, shit. So, did you always, like, when you were growing up, did you always, like, have anxiety and depression, or was it something that came up, like, after you joined um, the military? It was a little, it, like, when I was growing up, it was off and on. Um, I think it really started after my parents' divorce when I was, like, eight or something. It would like come and come in waves, um, where I'd be like anxious or depressed or whatever. And then I'd I'd be fine, because you know as as kids we're ridiculously resilient. Mm-hmm. Like children are so resilient that like to me I think toddlers are probably indestructible if you just don't react. Like if they fall over and hit their fucking dome piece off something, yeah, I've been just saying like, that too. You're just like, oh yeah, you're you're good, bro. Instead of like freaking out, they don't. Oh, are you okay? Yeah. Then they start crying. Yeah. Once you start reacting and looking scared, that's when that's when they start reacting, you know? Yeah. That but, is true. I'm pretty sure that is true. Yeah. Like your kid one of our kids will yard sale and like if we don't say anything, just look at them. Yeah. And then just look away and act like nothing happened. Sometimes they just like laugh. Yeah, and they just gather themselves back together and they're good to go. Or yeah, like if I Piper smashes their head on something <laughs> and she like I laugh at her and she starts laughing and then then like Alina will be like, Oh, are you okay? And then she'll go from <laughs> to crying. Yep. Yeah, right like, right there, yep. Sometimes like, Why would you do that? And now she's crying or <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, man, I think I think for me it was it was just off and on, really. Um, I think for me, it was just so much was happening in my life at that time to where like it was my parents splitting up and then my dad was finding a place to live and then we found a place to live. We had all this other stuff going on. I think I had so much stuff going on in my life that like anxiety and depression just like kind of went away. You know what I mean? Because like when you distract yourself and give yourself stuff to do, you kind of diminish those anxiety depression kind of yeah it kind of helps block it out yeah because then you're you're doing things that you're like okay cool like for me when we lived on that damn dairy farm you know i'd go help fucking put hay in the fucking troughs and you know i'd go help milk fucking cows and put the fucking vacuum sucker deal on their teeth yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know i would just like I was helping and felt like I was I was doing something productive and getting that that sense of, you know, like I'm helping do something for somebody else. So like I'm I'm getting that that endorphin release of like 
pride, I guess, really. Like I'm I'm doing something that's actually mattering. Mm-hmm. Keeping your mind active. Yeah. So you're not basically sitting there with your yeah with your with thought. your thoughts and yeah. just kind of overthinking everything. That's one of my biggest weaknesses is overthinking everything. Same. Everything I'm yep. gonna do. Like starting this podcast, I sat there overthinking everything. Yeah. And then I just watched some YouTube videos and they were like, oh, it's simple. Yeah. Just buy this and this and this and just press record and, and talk. Yeah. And then I talked to a couple other people, this other guy. I forget what state he's in. He's that growing corn 2020 guy on TikTok. That's like, sup, fuckbags, what's going on? I don't, I don't think I've seen him. Oh, you'll have to Dude, check you know, him out. You know who would be fucking hilarious to get on this shit? Would be that fucking Canadian guy who, who's like, like, sees like tips and tricks. He's like, what? No way. Oh, I got to get the fuck's sake. I got to get the no way guy on Yeah, here. dude, that would be fucking hilarious. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Ah, and then he'd have to say what no way a hundred times. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, I talked to like Tony, Tony Reed. He's got, also got a podcast. It's like straightforward farming. Uh, but I talked to him and he gave me some some helpful advice on doing the whole podcast thing. And he's like, ah, we don't edit anything. We just record it and yeah. post it. Fucking raw dog, it, dude. He's like, and we got like two million downloads so far, and we don't even post like every every month sometimes we take three months off and then post an episode oh yeah like oh that's i guess that's pretty encouraging there so yeah i think yeah i mean shit with what's going like i feel like this is yours has already grown so much within like the past week because it started off on what was it the rss website risk or whatever yeah, it was last and then last wednesday and then now it's already you already got that shit on, on spotify. spotify yeah, yeah. spotify apple Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music. Yeah. So far. I think I think this is gonna be like good, especially because, you know, like with all of the people that like we know that are active all the time on social media and right. I've probably seen fifty people share stuff about the pod already and i'm like fuck yeah dude like i share it every time i I come across it and i appreciate that yeah like i mean i'm all about helping people out literally like that's yeah that's all i've ever wanted to do was just that's what you do that's what you do for work yeah that's what i do now for a living which you know some days feels like feels like work and some days it just feels like i'm having fun yeah that's like they say when you do what you love you're not actually working yeah but technically you are but doesn't feel like it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I was looking on there the other day and it looked like there was people, somebody had listened to the podcasts in Belgium. There was wow. one person in Australia and then another one in Italy. Damn. I don't know about you Belgium could- or Italy, but I think the one person that listened to it in Australia might have been Izzy. Izzy, yeah. What's he doing there? I have no idea. Yeah, I just seen him. He's like living in Sydney and I'm like, what the fuck? Oh yeah, it did say Sydney. So Izzy, if you're listening to this, text me. We gotta catch up. Yeah, and maybe what are you you even doing there, bro? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I just saw on Facebook however many months ago and it was like, Izzy Marietta moved to australia and i was like what in yeah. the hell is he doing like, how did you land that dude yeah. like like that's fucking awesome 
I don't even know how you would move to Australia. Yeah. Like, you'd probably, I'd just get rid of all my shit. And yeah, bring just a, bare minimum. Bring a suitcase and a duffel bag of yeah. clothes and then start over. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, that would probably be really freeing, actually. Right. Doing that, like, just getting rid of all of your monetary things that you that are not necessities in life and just starting over somewhere else like you get a complete fresh start nobody knows you you get that you get that clean slate of just like okay cool that was old caden bridges this is going to be the new one where i'm better i make better choices i make better decisions financially emotionally um all that stuff like it it would probably be a very freeing experience oh yeah i agree um I've always wanted to move out of state, but I mean, with family and everything here, like the ideal thing would be like both families uh, all get together and move yeah. to a better place. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. Just, we buy like hundreds of acres of property and just have a compound. And have a compound. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, then man. we just have our own neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, for me, like when I moved out, when I moved away, it was nice but it also sucked yeah because my girlfriend at the time still lived here and you know we got pretty serious all that good stuff um and then so we were just doing long distance and i was like dude like i'll i'll move you down here i'll pay for your college i'll do whatever um and you know just didn't didn't work out so that ended up not going anywhere and then we ended up breaking up and all that good stuff, right? Um, but moving out, moving out of your hometown doesn't mean like you have to move out of state. Like I think just even moving out of like for you, like from Black Diamond to Easton and Ellensburg and all that other stuff, like yep. it definitely changes your outlook on stuff. Yeah, and then I was I mean, it was four years since we had been back over here and then it's just like working for the railroad, commuting the pass over the winter and then like having to miss work and stress about the attendance policy right and this and that it was just after the winter it's like yeah this is the last straw yeah plus living close like within 25 minutes yeah family is nice because then you'd be like hey what are you doing right now yeah i'm gonna drop these little fucking crotch goblins off <laughs> exactly we need some we need some fucking mom and dad time you know yeah especially like it helps that my you know like my mom is like obsessed yep. with doing all sorts of things with them over there at the oh, yeah. farm and oh yeah uh they really enjoy it over there and so i'll start doing that with the dog too when yeah. she's not a little crip anymore yeah little 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 house yeah dude with her with her fucking metal on her leg getting that shit out right now oh yeah she is yeah they said she's gonna be done at noon i was like well i kind of have some stuff to do so could you like pump her full of <laughs> more sedatives and then i show up like afternoon sometime yeah. they're like oh yeah yeah show sure. up whenever you want be we, just, we close at five though hey, buddy. Come on. and Come on. I, we're probably not gonna keep her sedated all day so. yeah yeah so yeah she'll be she'll be free of all the metal in her leg hopefully I really do hope they take those screws out of her back leg joint so that doesn't bug her as much. But they do say that um, she should make full recovery and be able to run, walk just fine without limping eventually. But it's crazy how dogs 
can just block out their pain yeah and act like nothing's wrong when they're with the people they love yeah like she was sitting there with a broken leg snapped in half and she was just happy as can be wasn't whining or anything she was just super happy to see me after being gone missing for six days yeah and she was just like she was trying to get up and like say hi to me and her leg was flopping all around like no 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 yeah stay there don't move you know i'm here i'm not going anywhere yeah and then you got this little this little wagon this yeah seven months old and he's crying because i'm sitting in a chair yeah (laughs) dogs are awesome they are this little guy. This little best friends. Yep. It's crazy how much a dog can really affect you, you like, mentally. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's 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 crazy. Like, I've only had him for, since the beginning of July, since the beginning of this month, I guess, really. And um, it's just, like, crazy how much improvement I've seen in myself, just, like, being more happy and, like, more energetic, just because he's here exactly yeah definitely lightens your mood yeah and just when they do funny shit it's just like man that was that's just hilarious yeah yeah man i don't know like i feel like uh this this podcast is i think probably going to be one of uh, probably a very successful one just because of there's not a lot of people who um, do podcasts of just like their struggles and getting other people to be able to, you know, like be open about their stuff and be able to let people know, like, you're not alone in the world of, of this. There's always somebody else that's already gone through it who can help. Or if you just listen to what they did to help them, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I'm sure there's, there's a lot of people out there that can relate I mean, I don't know how many people have listened already to like the the first episode and then the third episode, basically about the the shit that I went through right. with drinking and drugs and all sorts of stuff like that. But I mean, addiction and you know mental health, you know they kind of they go hand in hand. Yeah, there and it's it's a huge struggle to overcome that stuff. And, <laughs> Yes, he he definitely agrees. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it'll it should this podcast should help should help a lot of people if it gets out there and you know reaches people. And then uh, I actually made I made an email, the Weekly Struggle Podcast at gmail dot com, for people to all around wherever yeah email email in that they want to be on the show and then the website i use i can just send them a link they could just use a pair of headphones that have a microphone or oh yeah or even they could just use their cell phone yeah i mean their audio might not sound the greatest but i mean yeah you know radio talk shows do it all the time exactly and uh, as long as you can understand what they're saying and uh people can hear their hear their story without them sounding like they're underwater then i think that's a win and yeah like with um kurt was he doing it from montana yeah he was in montana yeah it sounded good and too. he well he's a musician so he had right. access to a a condenser mic and he sent me a snapchat of it and he had his like he had he was whole in setup his, going i think he was in his studio <laughs> 
Like maybe he was in his like soundproof room. I don't yeah. know. But he had his mic set up and everything. It took a little while to get his audio sounding good. If you listen, like if you paid attention to it, you'd hear like the first half. It kind of sounds almost like he's just on the phone. And yeah, then, it was a little muffled. And then all yeah. of a sudden it just kind of like changed. My laptop died. Yeah. Ah. And so I had to go back in. And at first I thought I lost that audio file that was an hour and seven oh, minutes yeah, long. Yeah, because he was, was like, like gone. He was, yeah, he was like, I heard you say something, and then it was just nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, man, I I thought I cut that out. <laughs> Shit. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, that just makes it more real, I guess. Uh, but, but, yeah, after I got him back on there, his audio was completely different, and it sounded like just like this. Yeah, it's like, man, what the hell happened? I guess resetting it just dude technology. made it work. I know crazy. it's crazy. Like these mics are just running off of the battery power of this little recorder device here. Yeah, dude, that Larry's pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, the Zoom H4 Pro handy recorder is what it says. Handy recorder. It is definitely handy. Handy indeed. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say we're. Uh, just uh, wrapping this puppy up here. Uh, just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing. Yeah, dude, of course. The stuff that you've gone through. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a big thing that you had to overcome there. Saw yeah. a lot of shit. Yeah, it was, Deal with a lot of shit. It was definitely a struggle to... Um, I think the hardest part was actually going to get the help. Yeah, well, um, the first step. Yeah, is admitting that, admitting that, that you, there's something going yeah. on, you know? I think that was probably the biggest struggle. But once once you can like assess like that's what's going on, it is exponentially easier to end up like helping yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And just like you said, with like the counselor, how it's kind of weird at first. Yeah. But once you, you know, you broke the ice and then it was word yeah. vomiting and you're just able to open up. But yeah. then that's also a thing like you got to find one that. Yeah, you can kind of establish that bond with and you can click with and be able to, you know, have that trust and be comfortable with them and be able to share all that. Because, I mean, I had terrible experiences with the two or three counselors I tried to go see. Yeah. And I just gave up on it. But I think I'll probably try again. Yeah. Here now that I'm doing Mm -hmm. this, I I feel like it might be pretty helpful. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying, like you... It can be hard to find that one that just like understands you as a person. I was very lucky in the fact that the first counselor I ever sought out connected with me on a, on a, a level of like I didn't really understand how somebody I've never talked to before could like connect to me just by my like five words I said at the beginning. Right. So. It's just you got to find that one that's going to be able to read you like a book. Yep, that would be the ideal thing. Well, anyway, um, yeah, man, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, anytime. It's uh, definitely been a long time. Yeah, it has, dude. It glad, has. You're, glad you're back for another year or so. Yeah, man, another year and a half or something like that. I might try to stay longer, might not. We'll see. See what happens yeah, here. See what's going on. You don't even know where you're going yet. So nope. I don't know. It might be somewhere nice. Yeah. It might be somewhere shitty. Shitty. <laughs> we'll see. See where, man. The, see where the Navy takes you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, if you guys do want to be on the show and you have 
some things you would like to share, go ahead and send me an email at the weekly struggle podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, we'll catch you guys on the next one.